Scarlet Rhapsody presents The Bizarro Files. Files. I'm your host, Jared, a.k.a. Jared the Greek, a.k.a. Bizarro, a.k.a. whatever you want to call me at this point. Today we are talking about one of my favorite sci-fi action franchises of all time, The Terminator, which you have to say in the Arnold voice for no reason. With me today on the show is, of course, our producer and all-around boss lady and awesome sci-fi movie fan, Miss Scarlet, and friend of the show, also an awesome guy who loves his action movies, Bart. Reading all. Unless Bart wants to go by some sort of more extended name. Bart. No, I'm just fine with that, if anything. Alrighty. How, how are you guys doing, and are you ready to talk some Terminator? I am ready when you are. I'm just sipping down my Kung Fu tea here. It's awesome. Definitely, especially with the new trailer for Genesis being released. Now that's the trailer. I know when it was like um, when they were announcing like they were gonna have the trailer um, up on on the internet. It's like, oh my god, I can't wait to see it. And like, ah, uh, feels. And also, I like the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger has a sense of humor on his um, Facebook profile, and because he was like just sort of like teasing the whole trailer by like playing the Terminator theme on a spoon and like just showing him sitting in his office waiting for the whole office to blow up. <laughs> it's hilarious. You guys should check out his Facebook page. I mean, I, I like the guy's sense of humor, so. Exactly. So one thing is about Arnold. He is an all-around charismatic guy. No matter the ups and downs of his life, he always seems to keep a good attitude and definitely tries to, to do his best to keep a good, warm, public persona. And considering this is a guy who basically began as a, you know, a, a professional weightlifter and B-movie actor... And what he's grown into and what he's become is is so impressive. Like, I, there's just his story alone would make such an amazing documentary. Uh, but we're not really here to talk about the life of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Obviously, we're here to talk about the Terminator. Now, as as I was saying, he kind of began as a B movie actor. He had Hercules in New York. He had Conan the Barbarian, which, for as awesome as it is, is still a B movie by by many on many many levels. And originally, he wasn't even cast to be the Terminator. For those who don't know, it was originally going to be Lance Hendrickson, who played a police officer in that movie. And he was made the uh, he was made the Terminator because the studio was like, "Hey, Conan was a hit. Get this guy in more movies." And Cameron saw him, liked him off the bat, and they found that he worked really well with him. So the Terminator went from a guy who could blend into any room he's walking around in into a Goliath monster that would be unstoppable uh, for anyone to fight. with that said, you know, they also mentioned that, you know, Arnold liked the character of the Terminator more than Kyle Reese. Yeah. Many people thought that, you know, it wouldn't go well in his career at that time, but as history shows, he definitely played the role really well, and he became a big hit because of that. And and there's certain things that he added to the part. There's a great sequence where uh, Sarah and Kyle are hiding in this car lot, and he's driving around looking for them, and you actually see the eyes move before the head like adjusts to that direction that the eyes have gone. And that was his own little ad lib of like, hey, more like a machine, wouldn't the eyes scan first? And then it's like, oh, right, must look human. Turn head. <laughs> and exactly. it's, it's little things like that that just work amazingly well, like how, how he reacts mechanically, or you know, the famous I'll be back sequence, where he's looking around, and you actually see him looking at all four corners of the wall to see to gauge whether or not he could destroy that with the car. Says, I'll be back, leaves, and the next scene is just drive the car right through that little barricade because he's already assessed it in his systems. And the little mechanical things he added to the character that I think a lesser actor wouldn't have thought of doing is, is really amazing. And for him to really think, I'm a machine, what would a machine do? Really shows the difference between what could have been a very cheesy... I'm a robot, I'm trying to kill you, to now you die. You know, it's, it's a difference. It's, it's that intensity he brought to the Terminator that really made it stand out. And 
probably the reason why the Terminator is, you know, the lead in the second movie is because of how he performed in the first movie. I actually didn't really get into the Terminator series until I saw part two. I think part two, Judgment Day, is what my brain associates. If, if, you, were, if you were to ask me what, what really defines the Terminator series, I would just point everything to Judgment Day because it is still one of my all-time favorite movies and a lot of the visual effects and the way it was filmed still holds up very well today because I remember watching that movie like as a kid when it was they were starting showing on HBO like there was nothing that really stopped the T-1000 that was a really awesome villain and I remember watching it as a kid like oh my god like this guy is unstoppable I mean, what could you could really stop him? And I just remember, like, just going on that adventure, like, as a kid. It's like, oh, my God. The one thing I will say, if we're going to transition into two, is the CG in that doesn't look like CG. It looks like it's actually happening. And now you go skip ahead to now, where still a lot of the CG does just looks like CG. You look at that and go, well, that's CG. It's really one of the differences. And I think the sequence that really in my opinion, shows that off the best, is infiltrating the hospital. Where you see him, you see the, the tiles of the floor come up and form into the T-1000. You see him go through that uh, the little prison gate door and forget that he has this gun in his hand and just kink kink. You know, so like adjust his hand to get the gun through. Yeah, because it shows, you know, he didn't fully, you know, assimilate because he forgot one little item. You know, it's yeah. still a machine. Sometimes they make mistakes. And it's just, it just seems so natural when all that stuff's happening. It doesn't seem like, oh, now Robert Patrick's becoming a CG effect again. It just looks like Robert Patrick could somehow do that. And you're like, that's good special effects. Definitely. Back then, you know, special effects was growing. And then I guess, like, you could say, like, Terminator 2 was, like, the thing that really, you know, branched out to the animation effects that made movies what they are today. But they still kept the old, you know, the old-fashioned, you know, on the set effects like the explosions and the 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 fact that the truck hits a giant overhead that still you know you can't really do in cgi yeah or or the big shootout at uh cyberdyne which if which one fun fact that was actually filmed here in the bay area oh was it really oh whereabouts in the bay area it was in fremont and till this day the building still stands but the original building is only two floors they added the um the top three floors with visual effects which it looked pretty legitimate real i didn't know that i mean they added those extra floors i didn't even oh wow i couldn't tell yeah, the actual building itself, um, it's still there today. Um, you can actually, they have given people tours before, and all their, like, rooms are labeled after, you know, Terminator names. Like, they have a John Connor room or a T-1000 room. There's a video about that, too, and you can see, like, it's only two floors tall. That's really interesting. I'm, if I ever go back to the Bay Area, it just has, like, a moment of, like, my nerd. I'm like, I kind of want to see it. Kind of like how I want to see the Martin McFly house in Pacoima, California. California. California? Yeah, just like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I can't pronounce California right right now. Because <laughs> it's California. It was funny because I, I think, like I mentioned on our um, our Rhode Island Comic Con podcast, that Michael Bean was a guest at a Rhode Island Comic Con, and I made a comment to my buddy Evan from Boston Bastards Brigades, like, yeah, I wanted to guest here and like wanted wanted to kill like our governor, our former governor of California. It's like, wait, really? Like, no, I meant I meant like on screen, but not like assassinate him. <laughs> It's really interesting because I think like a lot of people who are out say tend to forget that Arnold Schwarzenegger once ruled the land of California. We can say that again. <laughs> yeah. The one thing I definitely want to say about Terminator 2 is, well, Terminator 1 is easily in my top five of movies. Terminator 2 for me is the standard of a good action movie. If you're making a good action movie, Terminator 2 has everything you'd want there. It has actual three-dimensional characters. It has some really emotional moments. You really care, and you even are, feel afraid for the characters, especially in that last sequence at the, uh, at the, what's the proper choice of the little steel factory or? It's a steel mill. Steel mill? Yeah, so at the steel mill sequence, you actually are like, oh my gosh, just about everyone could technically die 
at in this scene. All the human characters, well, the two human characters, could both be killed in this sequence. Like they really could do that and go for a major downer ending. Like you, you feel that you feel afraid for the characters. Well, definitely, it was a matter of good storytelling, which they really put into the second movie. You know, because back then, you know, a lot of stories were coming out of the woodworks. You know, all the movies back then. They had great writers, you know, great scripts, great actors, directors, producers, the makers themselves. That's what really sold Terminator 2 was the fact that it had the best of everything. Yeah, and they really, they didn't just shill out a sequel to shill out a sequel. They actually wanted to tell a good story. And I like the fact that they waited, too. Um, You were saying, Bart? Well, that's, you know, James Cameron's, you know, uniqueness. He wants to really tell a good story because it was still his movie back then. He wrote the script, he wrote the movie, he, he said he wanted to make it a good sequel, and he did. And, and then we can get to the shill sequels. Yay, shill sequels. But before we get into like the, the, the next sequels, was there, was there anything else you wanted to say about um, the originals? I think of anything, you know, when it comes to James Cameron, he definitely is a great storyteller, and you can see that in all of his films. I mean, not just Terminator themselves. There was Titanic, there was Avatar. The um, super so underrated True Lies. The Abyss. You know, he also wrote, you know, Aliens and Rambo, Strange Days. You know, he, he, he did a lot of great movies, not just, you know, the originals themselves. I also find it interesting because I remember like finding this out when I was in college when I was kind of had a feverish kind of thing and then I was watching this documentary on how the Terminator was made and they mentioned that the Terminator um, James Cameron got the idea of it when he had a fever dream like wow if I made movies out of my fever dreams he, he talks about that in, whole, in the uh, some of the behind the scenes stuff on the DVD for Terminator uh, and he drew what he wanted the guy to look like and then when he saw what Lance Hendrickson looked like, he's like, yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> to which I think makes it more proof that Lance Hendrickson is a creepy looking dude in real life. Uh, <laughs> but actually, you know what, before we also move on to the, the shill sequels, since we're talking about Cameron, he also worked on the Terminator 3D experience at Universal Studios Hollywood. Oh, I remember that. Have it's you ever been on it? Have you ever been on the 3D um, attraction, Bart? I did actually um, before they converted it into the Minions ride, and back you know when I first wrote it, that was actually a really fun ride. It was actually very entertaining. Like you actually felt like you were in there, and they maintained the visual effects like they did with the second movie. There's actually an interesting documentary on um, YouTube that talks about the making of and behind the scenes of the um, attraction. Um, I remember the first time I went on it was with my um, my relatives from the Philippines. Um, I think they were like distant cousins on my dad's side. And when they went into the whole thing, they actually thought it was for real. <laughs> because like you have, because the way it's themed around is like you enter like this presentation done by Cyberdyne and the building is like Cyberdyne Industries. And then you have like this PR girl who like just says like, yeah, like welcome to Cyberdyne. Let me show you an informative video. And then Sarah Connor and John Connor interrupt the feed, and it's played by Edward Furlong. And I think I think it's Linda, yeah, Linda Hamilton. Yeah, both of them back. Yeah, and then like when you have this whole like oh evacuate the building kind of thing, my cousins were like, do we really have to evacuate the building? I think it's like. I think the exit's that way, like, guys, just, just chill. It's part of the show. <laughs> it's part of the show. <laughs> but I, I know, I, I, just, I just really enjoyed it. And, like, at the time when I went to see it with Stan and a couple of our other our friends, like, we were just so into it. And, and I think that also what got me back into Terminator as a fan, because also around the same time, Sarah Connor Chronicles was also coming out around the same time. And that's when, like, Deb wanted to be John Connor, and I think, Bart, you made the comment you want to, like, follow her around as a T-1000. <laughs> I could see that. But anyway, shall we move forward to shill sequels? Yeah, let's move forward to shill sequels. So then, God, how about a good eight years later, we got Terminator 3, Resident Machines. It was about 2000-ish, wasn't it? 2003. 2003. Okay, even longer than that. So, over 10 years later, we get Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines. This is a sequel I don't think anyone was asking for. I don't know anyone who said, you know what, we need another Terminator movie. I think we were all happy for two movies, excited to see the ride if you saw the ride, and we all missed the arcade game going like, man, I wish they still had that at arcades. Love that arcade game. But I don't think anyone was sitting there going like, you know what we need to see? Another Terminator movie. 
I don't know anyone who said that. But they give it to us anyways with a bunch of people you've never really heard of as the main leads, because Edward Furlong refused to return, as did Linda Hamilton. In fact, the only returning cast member is Arnold. And this is his last well, movie before he went off to become governor? I think it was a psychologist. Yes. Oh, yes, he has a cameo. Yes, yeah, psychologist guy has a cameo. Forget about that. It's one of the better scenes in that movie, actually. It is. Where he just freaks out and runs away. <laughs> but it, it's one of those things where if you can't get back some of the main people, why do it? And that's only the beginning of the problems of that movie. If you guys would care to elaborate, I don't want to have to have more nightmares of it. Well, I think what it was was there was a lot of um, different uh, companies that really wanted to take on the Terminator series because if you notice in the history, the original was released by Orion Pictures, which is now defunct. The next Terminator was by TriStar Pictures, which I think they sold the rights to Warner Brothers, which picked it up. And then, you know, there was just a bunch of, you know, hey, let's make a Terminator movie, you know, this will be fun. Because, you know, they want to find a way to really bring out the Terminator series back because, you know, it was such a big hit back then. They figured, why not, you know, develop further into the story behind it? Yeah, if only they had that guy who made it a hit. What was his name? James Cameron? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's very difficult to bring something back um, and try to recapture what it had when you don't have the man who created it. Especially when the man is a creative person like James Cameron. You know, I think there's certain franchises you could bring them back, like what they're doing with Star Wars, where you might be better off without Lucas. But when it comes to something like the Terminator, there's no way you're matching it without Cameron. Yeah, um, I think my my greatest problem with Terminator Three is it's painfully bad to watch through, and I I don't even know where to start on this. I mean, first of all, you. I don't know where, where, where... Well, we, we can go through kind of as, as different little aspects of this. The first is, one, they made it PG-13. When considering the violence and swearing levels of the first two movies, it feels like the mo- you're watching like a TV edit of the movie. Well, it wasn't just that. They also added some unnecessary humor to it, too. It really to bad hand. humor. <laughs> which I felt was very unnecessary because, you know, that's not what made Terminator so good. It was a matter of the emotions that went through, you know, the first two movies. Yeah, and, and the humor was kind of a byproduct of that emotions. Right. You know. Like if we if we analyze each Terminator movie, the first one was really dark. Oh yeah. It was really dark and it showed in the movies. It was more about terror and darkness at the same time. I mean it, it's basically a horror movie. I mean, I mean it's it's a slasher film. The Terminator is a slasher villain. He's going around murdering ran- well not random people, but He's murdering people leading up to our female lead who will eventually, you know, survive, like most slasher movies. Right. And then the second movie was more about, you know, a learning experience because John was teaching the Terminator, you know, the ways of life that they're living right now. Yeah. That was the general theme of the second movie. I I would say family is the theme of the second movie, in my opinion, because you have John, you know, wanting to rescue his mother and trying to deal with kind of her his perception of her abandoning him she's trying to escape so she can protect him and be with him again the Terminator kind of becomes a surrogate father to John but John to an extent is teaching the Terminator and it's just, it's all about this kind of like family unit they kind of create about halfway through the movie you're right about that because you know he he doesn't know much about his father because she was he was obviously told that he died you know for a good cause Yeah, and yeah. they were explained in both the movies too so, when you get to three, there is no overarching theme at all. I, I guess the theme is that whole fate, fate is what we make, yet yeah, no, no, it's just fate is fate. It's pretty much like, you can't change your fate. It's going to happen regardless. Yeah, like so thanks for that downer ending, guys. Uh, yeah. You know, you have other little things. There's a lot of forced humor, like you were saying. One of the things I thought was kind of a highlight as an idea but not as an execution is Kristana Loken as TX. I thought that was kind of an interesting idea to play with, but her acting in the movie is terrible and it's added upon the fact that the TX model makes no sense to me. Not only does it just break all the rules that were established in the T-1000 but also you need to create a Terminator to hunt Terminators 
means that like Cyberdyne should have invented a firewall because that means there, so many of their Terminators are being reprogrammed. They literally had to make a Terminator Hunter. Because <laughs> that's the only reason you need to create one is if you have so many problems. Well, I think where they were trying to go with that was given the history of the second Terminator, which Skynet was thinking, wait, chances are the Resistance is going to send another Terminator. Let's build this Terminator as an anti-Terminator in the event that happens. Which, which is another way to look at it. I, I like my way of thinking it's massively, massively, inept, massive ineptitude on the side of Cyberdyne. Or Skynet, rather. It is a good theory. It is a very good theory to think about, too, because, yeah. you know, Cyberdyne is, is trying to create these things. But also, let's not forget, in the second film, if they want to go based on the timeline, was that the government took over Cyberdyne's work after they went out of business in the second movie. Yeah, government's not known for putting up good firewalls. <laughs> well, that wasn't the case in the third movie, obviously. Oh, yeah, the whole third movie was firewalls being taken down. <laughs> so Bye so Skynet can control everything, yeah. Fire virus. Yep. A lot of, lot of stupidity in that movie. A lot of stupidity. And it's, you know, the fight sequences, the action sequences are also very, very terrible. Uh, you're basically spending 90% of this movie watching Arnold get his ass kicked. And that's also one of those moments of, hey, remember when the Terminator was badass? <laughs> remember you could take on like a horde of policemen or soldiers or whatever, and it wasn't, it was nothing for him, and now he's just getting smacked around and hit by cars and blown up every five seconds. Well, he did say in the second movie he needed a vacation. That's true. <laughs> One of those nice little moments of humor in the second movie. So, yeah. That one almost killed the franchise in a, in a way and made the rights fairly inexpensive again and went to another studio. Was it Platinum Dunes or... It was Halicon. Halicon, uh, that's right. Pictures, I believe. Halcyon? Halcyon. It was yes. Halcyon, yeah. And they grabbed it for Terminator Salvation, which gets kind of a mixed reputation from people. I actually will admit, I do enjoy this movie for what they were trying to do, which was, let's just show the war, let's have some cool special effects, some cool explosions, and uh, an interesting Ar Arnold cameo. And I was kind of like, all right, I'll roll with this. It's it's not as bad as three, so I'll roll with this and enjoy it for what it is. But I can fully I understand it when people hate this movie. I fully understand it. I think what they were mostly trying to do is they wanted to show like the future war and how it became. You know, how did they find you know Kyle Reese? You know, it was yeah. explained in the set in the first movie that you know he was a he was orphaned when he was a young kid and grew and up in the ruins of Los Angeles. Exactly. And I think that's what they were trying to go for. And, you know, if you were to follow the timeline, it would show that John is trying to look for, you know, Kyle Reese. Yeah. Because I guess it was his choice. He was told that he has to send him back in time. Yeah. So, I mean, according to the, at least the storyline from Salvation, he knows that Kyle Reese is his dad. Or at least knows he has to send him back in time to protect Sarah Connor. Which, he should be able to put two and two together, if that's the case. And pretty much his existence, you know, will be taking place. Yeah. And, and I like that. I think that was a good idea for a movie. I think there's a lot of stuff in there that's really silly, like why would you need the Terminator-human hybrid and stuff like that. Um, but it also has Michael Ironside playing Michael Ironside, which I do love when Michael Ironside plays his one character. Michael Ironside. I think in in the certain sense with Salvation, I don't think they could have needed this the hybrid Terminator. Which I think they could have done without it. If anything, oh, easily, easily could have done without it. Because like it kind of you know strays away from the main story that we're learning about you know the future war. Yeah, we're learning about the first future war. We're gonna try to find the fate of Kyle Reese, and then we have this whole other side thing they just randomly decided to do, which then makes the ending make no sense because it's like we created you because. You'd get John's trust and bring him here. And I'm like, really? Because if I was creating a weapon to kill John Connor, I wouldn't think, oh, he'll take mercy on a human-Terminator hybrid. I would think it's a Terminator. He's going to shoot it in the head immediately unless it looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Then he might hesitate. Yeah. But there's no way he's going to go, oh, you're like some sort of abomination. I guess I'll take pity on you and team up with you. Mm, no. <laughs> Hardcore soldiers tend not to have those moments of... I'm going to team up with you, buddy. We're friends now. Especially given the nature of where they were at that time. Yeah. 
I mean, like, if, if Skynet wanted to really kill John Connor, they would have done it right there on the spot with this hybrid. Yep. Hands down. Yeah. Set it up so he will find you, you will immediately kill him, war's over, we win. I mean, we'll stop the deal with uh, Michael Ironside and those guys, but eh, whatever. <laughs> we got missiles, they're in a sub, we can figure this out. Which is interesting, because there's also, um, there's a game too, the Terminator games, some of them were actually pretty good, and one I found to be very interesting was Terminator Dawn of Fate, which was basically a this story about the war, and it talks about how Kyle Reese goes back into time. That story, I think, would have made a great movie because of the way it portrayed, like, betrayal and why does Kyle have to survive going to get Skynet, you know, before they send out their Terminator. If you play that game, it actually is pretty decent, story-wise. I'll have to check that out. I Honestly, most of the games I played were all from the, you know, Terminator 2 era, you know, like the T2 arcade game, some of the T2 console games, uh, you know, things like that. I didn't really try anything that came out after that time. Mm-hmm. This game is for the PS2, um, so it should be fairly cheap to find, if anything. Yeah. Uh, Gameplay-wise, it's a typical, you know, B, B game, you know, it's not going to be the best shooting at all, but it has, like, you know, if you play it for the story, you'll be very intrigued by how they written the story to tie in with the, uh, the main franchise. Okay. I'm always open to trying out, you know, new, especially little games that kind of went out, you know, kind of went under the radar, because um, I don't remember many people talking about that game. I know there was the Terminator 3 game that came out that was a really bad first-person shooter, um, but I didn't know they had any other games that came out, you know, maybe around that time period. Mm-hmm. So, I'm actually intrigued. It, like, at the very least, I'll look for a Let's Play online and see if I can watch someone burn through it and hopefully a Terminator fan and not someone who's just ripping on the game for no reason. Right. But yeah, that that became kind of our movies, but one of the great little kind of overlooked treasures during around the same time period was the Sarah Connor Chronicles. And I remember watching um, the Sarah Connor Chronicles when it was on Fox. Um, it, it was aired weekly, but they I remember they changed it to a new time and I couldn't... Um, continue on the series because um, I had grad school classes at the same time um, yeah. when they moved into time slot. So I only caught like the first season, which was only about like twelve episodes. I think it's less than that. I think it's like ten. Yeah, it's something around those lines. And then they renewed it for a second season where they brought in Shirley Manson as like this um, Terminator with like the liquid powers of, of a T T one thousand. I think she's supposed to be a T one thousand. They don't yes. say her model, but I think she's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Just, and, just took a female as its primary form. And that and um, second season ran for about 20 or so episodes. And this is right around the time, I want to say, before Salvation came out. Yeah, it was, it was shortly before Salvation. Yeah. And I remember just really being into it because I kind of also like learning... Because it, t- to me, it showed me that like you don't didn't need Arnold Schwarzenegger to make a decent Terminator story. And I like the fact that we got to see more of the relationship between Kyle and Sarah. I mean, not the Kyle and Sarah. Stupid me. Um, John Connor and Sarah Connor. Just seeing them as a, fa- a family unit, just trying to like just survive, and just like, sort of like just deal with what's going on with them in the present when they have like these Terminators chasing them from the future. And I also like the fact that they brought in um, Cameron, who is their protector. Um, yeah. Um, android thing. The Terminator of indeterminate model that was brought in because Cyberdyne totally needs cute teenage girl models and she's played by uh, was it Summer Glau right? Yes um, River River from uh, Firefly Mm -hmm. and so I liked her she's playing a very similar character to River which which is I think the only flaw just kind of the emotionally detached really super badass but she pulls it off really well she's an actress who I'd love to see in more action movies as a lead I think she'd do great as an action movie lead and and she does great as Cameron. It it she's able to pull off the awkwardness of trying to mimic humanity, especially in season one, where she hears kids using slang. So she randomly throws slang into her sentences, usually inappropriately. And I really I really thought that was, it made for humor, but it also made you feel so awkward for because she doesn't know she's being awkward. It's just John like, oh, could you not do that? And that I, is I, tight. I loved, I loved the chemistry between Cameron and John in this series. 
Yeah, we still have a couple more episodes to go because um, we're we're watching we're slowly just going through it while we're trying to catch up with other stuff. But it's it's really worth a watch, especially if you, if you really enjoy like the themes of part two, and you really get to see um see like these characters develop and grow and just kind of see what's next for them. But unfortunately, it only had two seasons because they wanted to go forward with Salvation. Yeah, and it's kind of really great the little things they did. Like you show, they show John developing more and more technical skills. I mean, in, in Terminator Two, you see him hacking the ATM and trying to hack the uh, security system at uh, Cyberdyne, and in this, you see him actually hacking Terminators and stuff like that, which is of course a skill he'll need in the future. So it's actually kind of kind of works continuity wise for that purpose. And I've always like seen like bits and pieces of like what was going on in the future because we only got like snapshots of it in the first two movies. But I also like seeing like what was also going on in the future at the same time as well. Kind of like implying that like everything is just all happening at once. Well, they also had uh, uh, Reese had his what's his heck has his first name off the top. Um, but, uh, Uncle Reese is there as well, and he has flashbacks to when he's younger during the war, and with young Kyle. And I actually really like that because it's really strange because it's a flash, it's a it's a flashback of him being young in the future, <laughs> which I always love time bending like that. And it works really cool. You see this desperation. You see them, you know, just how hard up they're just in sewers. They're starving. You know, they they have no medicine. They have limited ammo, and they're trying to find any way to survive battling the, this, these machines and you really see this desperation of the future and I really liked those moments because they showed why he could be so hardened and so like I can't, I can't be compassionate, I can't even for a second give a Terminator or any machine even an inch of space because they're going to kill me and my friends just immediately kill us all Right, because basically, like it was mentioned in the third movie that um, he, his mom was trying to prepare him for the future, and I guess you could say that the Sarah Connor Chronicles basically shows what he was told that he was doing. Yeah, and it, and it really begins. It begins really well, and I really like the alternate. Uh, was it the the primary ones they're fighting are the eighty eights, the eight eighty eights or eight triple eights, I believe they call them. Uh, the T-888s, that's what they call mm-hmm. them. And I actually like seeing the fact that, hey, there's more models than just the Arnold model. They, they, of course they would make more models. Why aren't we, you know, we just don't, just don't see them that often. Well, I think it was also mentioned in the Salvation movie that they introduced the T-600 series, which it was mentioned in the first movie that they had, quote, rubber skin. Yeah. And Easy think, to spot. Exactly. And when you watch the movie, you see him as like this huge juggernaut, and you can kind of see why that you know it was easier to spot. Yeah, and I mean, obviously they'd make bigger. It's just kind of cool to see the variants of the models. It's it's the also in the ride uh, where they have all the other like you know you, you see the HKs more close up. You see these little flying saucer things. I know they have a specific name. I don't remember what it is. You see these various things. You even see this. Uh, the weird liquid metal giant spider thing that protects the Skynet. I freaking hate that. The thing is the stupidest part of that entire thing. Because I'm just like, that is the dumbest security system ever. <laughs> Behold our ultimate security system, liquid metal spider. <laughs> what? Humans are afraid of spiders. Not all humans. And most of us are going to look at this and start laughing. <laughs> Perfect distraction. Uh, huh. You got me there. (laughs) Your spider's so stupid. Oh, my innards. I shouldn't have laughed. I should have shot at it. That was dumb. Um, In in terms of salvation, like, I I only recently saw um, the salvation... um, the Salvation movie a couple months ago. It was funny because I actually did go to the Comic Con press conference they had on Salvation, and I remember like just being there and they had the director there and people were just lining up and asking questions. But I just never had a chance to see in theaters because I heard mixed reviews on Salvation. The way I view Salvation is it feels like a it feels more like a fan film and mainly feels more like a love letter to the series by um, who is the director American McGee. And, uh- it's not American McGee. Okay, MCG. Like, okay, yeah. that's kind of different. <laughs> and yes, McG. Yeah. Um, it just felt more like a love letter to this, to the franchise. It, it makes us a decent action movie. Um, I really like following like the character who doesn't know that he's he he's a Terminator, 
and I don't know, I just, and I also like Christian Bale in, in it too as John Connor. So I thought for what it was, I enjoyed it. And it, I was. It does on. have kind of the stuff like where they use the lines, you know, come with me if you want to live. There is no fate but what we make for ourselves. They, they actually throw those lines in. You actually have a uh, recording, I think it's B roll they did with uh, Linda Hamilton, and they have Linda Hamilton's voice on a tape recorder. So you get that little nod to Linda Hamilton. And it's one of those things that three doesn't have. Three does not have any sequence where someone says, come with me if you want to live, or any of the other little lines that we don't want to hear a roll of the greatest hits, but to hear I'll be back, come with me if you want to live, hasta la vista, baby, little things like that that really kind of tie into the franchise, make it feel like this is a, the same characters over time, where they would say kind of some of the similar things, really kind of gives you a nice feel. And I like that in Salvation, you have young Kyle Reese saying that when, uh, uh, the guy, the Terminator guy is being attacked. He's like, come with me if you want to live, and then hides him like in the sewers. And you're like, oh, hey, that's young Kyle Reese, and he's using the Kyle Reese line. That's cool. Yeah, because he said in the first movie, too, to Sarah Connor. Yeah. So so I like those little nods, and yeah, your, fan, your way of comparing it to a fan film of, you know, hey, let's all go to the desert. Let's go throw on some, like, trashed clothing, some guns. We'll CG in some Terminators, and we'll make a cool little internet film of us being in the future war. I mean, it doesn't really seem that different. I mean, other than budget, obviously, budget differences with Salvation. I, heck, me and my friends would love to make a Terminator uh, future war fan film. We can head out to Bakersfield. It looks like the post-apocalyptic future there. Yeah, I was also thinking, like, wasn't um, the Salvation movie, wasn't that supposed to be like, the start of, like, a new trilogy? Because from but how no. I understand, it was supposed to be, like, a soft reboot of the Terminator franchise, but still acknowledging that the events did happen in the past, but kind of like, sort of like a soft reboot kind of thing. Yeah, kind of like, well, 3, it, the, the wife from 3 is still there, the Grizz girlfriend from 3 did become his wife, but 3 may not have actually happened. Uh but yeah, it was supposed to be that they're going to lead into like a couple more things leading to the final defeat of uh, Skynet, I think was the plan. But Salvation got those mixed reviews and didn't get quite the money that they wanted. So they just kind of dropped it. And I think the company also had financial issues. Yes. Yeah, House Sandals had some financial issues. So that also hurt the future of that franchise, which would have been interesting to see what they would do with the next movie. And honestly, I agree with you. I do like Christian Bale as John Connor. I thought he did a great job. He was he was intense, but it worked because a guy who's been raised his entire life to fight this war would be pretty damn intense when the war was actually going on because this is what his whole life has led to. Yeah, because, you know, if you follow the timeline of the John Connor character from the second movie to the third movie to right now, it shows that now he knows what he has to do. Now it's time to take charge. Yep. And as he's, you know, he always sits there and he goes like, no, that plan's not going to work. And it's like, well, how do you know it's not going to work? He's like, because I know how these machines think. I've interacted with them. I fought them before this war even started. So I'm telling you, your plan isn't going to work. And like, shut up. Shut up, you're stupid. I'm the salvation of the future. You don't know that. You're just some kid who got, who had a crazy delusional mother, you know. And I like the fact that the military doesn't instantly bow to him. That they're like, this Connor guy again? What is with you, kid? Let the real military handle this. You know? Exactly. And I like yes. I liked that. So basically he was showing that he was the one who knew everything as it was told, you know, in the in the past three movies. Yeah. He was the one who was gonna lead the resistance. And, and the salvation, spoiler for the ending, leads with a lot of the uh, military head people being killed because their plan doesn't work, like he said it wouldn't work. And now, you know, John Connor ends up just giving out his little speech to the remaining humans saying, you know, we are the resistance. Let's do this. And you're like, yeah, I want to want to see where this is going to go. It's what's the next battle? Where's the next front? Because everyone heard his voice saying this is what's going to happen. And it happens. Yeah. And he knew from the start that it was going to happen like that. It helps when you get information from the future. <laughs> right. And. You know, I, I think it kind of after after that point, it's about time for us to talk about the Genesis trailer and what snippets of information they have leaked out about this movie. Now, when this got announced, gosh, last year, I think? A couple of years ago, I believe. A couple of years ago? It, it's, it's been a slow burn to it. I was worried. Um, after the debacle of 3 and 4 kind of being so-so to most people, 
I'm worried about new Terminator movies that don't have James Cameron involved. And I'll admit that I'm cautiously optimistic about this movie because they basically, I'm assuming someone saw this, read the script for Days of Future Past, uh, the X-Men movie, and, and said, hey, that's an idea. <laughs> Let's just go back in time and just re all the stuff from the other movie. No, 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 three and four, no, no. We're gonna go back in time and completely change that three and four ever existed. And I always feel weird about that because on the one hand, it feels like I wasted my time watching those movies. And I've seen Terminator 3, God, two and a half times because everyone always wants to watch it. Like, oh, you, I've never seen that before. Okay, sit down with me. We will suffer through this together. And I've seen Salvation a, a good amount of times. I actually enjoy it for what it is, like I said earlier. So having those erased from continuity kind of, and, and possibly one and two, actually, the more we're seeing about this, which does worry me a bit, but time travel's a bitch. That's what I've learned over the years from comics and video games and movies. Just time travel, just bad. There's no good that comes out of time travel, except for your dad getting his book published. So future son, go and fix that, okay? I need to get my book published. I need my future son to go back in time and like fix my past so I can get my book published. But uh, back to the future jokes aside, the general premise we were told was Skynet was gonna send something into the past that was gonna attack Sarah Connor as like a young child and kill her parents. And then Sarah Connor was gonna get raised by a Terminator. And then when we get to the Cal Reese moment, everything is completely different in 1984 Los Angeles. And that goes one of two directions. That could be really cool or really terrible. I think this kind of brings back a um, the way I see it. It feels like I'm watching Back to the Future 2 when you think about it. Because if you remember, you know, from Back to the Future 2, Biff found out that Doc had a time machine. So he went and took that time machine and went back to, um, what year was it? 1955. And basically, you know, that was also the same time that Marty went back to and, you know, encountered his parents. Yeah. And because Biff went back in time, too, to that same era, gave himself the almanac with all the sports results, he pretty much just altered the time. Yeah, and he becomes this weird ruler of Hill Valley with his giant casino and just as a billionaire. Because he has all the answers as to who's going to win every single sports thing. Which is weird, because I figure if he had that kind of luck streak, someone would think he was cheating. (laughs) Like, I figured at some point or another, someone would be like... You're cheating, and I'm going to beat the crap out of you. It's what I feel like would have happened at some point. But in the Back to the Future universe, everyone just believes he's the luckiest man in the world. Right. And, you know, what did Marty and Doc have to do? They had to go back again into that same era, you know, before the original Marty came back, you know, in time by accident and had to redo everything. So that's basically the premise that I'm seeing here with Genesis. It's, okay, we, 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 it's going to follow the same storyline as Terminator, the first one. And now, all of a sudden, wait a minute, there was another incident before that. That's yeah. pretty much the premise right there. Yeah, and that, now we have an alternate Sarah Connor who has been trained to fight instead of being really scared and nervous. Mm-hmm. And not even not even believing it in the beginning, and then eventually you know, seeing the Terminator take a few bullets to the face and to the body and go, okay, that's not human. Um, <laughs> Kyle, help. And instead, you know, just to jump to the trailer, there's that sequence where she pulls up in the car and saves Kyle in that little sequence, which I'm like, I'm kind of digging a younger but very Terminator 2-esque Sarah Connor, where she has that that fierceness from Terminator 2, but she's obviously in her early 20s in that sequence. Or at least the actress is playing her in her early 20s, even though fairly certain that actress is probably my age. But I could probably play someone in their early 20s if I had the right makeup. So, um, Yeah, I, I definitely buy um, Amelia Clark as Sarah Connor, um, judging in my trailers, because in back of my mind, I'm so used to seeing her as da- Daenerys Targaryen in Game of Thrones, and I do like her in Game of, Game of Thrones. That crazy platinum blonde hair. Yeah, I mean, that, that always, that's always what throws me off, but fun fact, um, the actress who played Cersei in Game of Thrones also played Sarah Connor in Sarah Connor Chronicles, so I'm like, Game of Thrones has two Sarah Connors? What is this madness? And the other thing is, when I saw that, I could see them as being the same Sarah Connor, because they both have the same color hair, and they both have similar builds in terms of their body. And I was like... 
that's really just uncanny that she happens to kind of look like the way they made her up. She looks very similar to uh, how she looked in Sarah Connor Chronicles. And I was kind of fine with that. I'm, I still am. I'm very fine with that. So it's really interesting to see where the sequel's going to go and how the new trilogy is going to go because, yeah, um, a, a friend of mine from Chicago, um, Ron, actually made the point like, yeah, you can see like some of the some of the best elements of one and two, um, kind of fused into this trailer. But like, yeah, and he likes the fact they completely like just left out the TX off to the side with the rest of the scrap metal. And one of the things in the trailer that actually looks cool is it actually shows Kyle getting into the time machine, and we finally get to see. I mean, other than, I think in the 3D ride, you see the time machine real briefly as well. You actually get to see the time machine, which I think is kind of just cool. Stargate? Yeah, it looks like a Stargate, but still, hey, we get to see the time machine for, for once. Finally. <laughs> yeah. And I really kind of, just those little clips in the beginning of the trailer that's showing the, the future war, to part of me that's really hoping that that's a good chunk of the movie, or they'll be jumping between the future war and 84, because I want to see that future verse. I've always been interested in that, and I want to see more than the brief flashbacks that occur in the TV series and in the first two movies. You know, I, I like that time period. I think it's kind of a cool time period to explore. You know, how how do people survive? You know, what are they eating? You know, what are they? Where are they hiding? How are they keeping warm at night? You know, yeah, it, and I and I think originally with salvation, the original idea was to talk about the future rather than the present. And well, after the instance of the bankruptcy from the company that owned it at the time, it pretty much just they decided, okay, we're gonna restart the series again. And I think what they're trying to do with this one, according to what I'm reading, they're saying they're gonna make this into another trilogy. Um, and of course, they want to talk about you know the past and I think they do want to talk about the future more so hopefully they'll keep their word on that yeah and they got they got some pretty decent uh, nerd cred not nerd cred's the wrong term for it but uh, nerd fan actors or whatever you want to call it you know actors that the nerds know but who are also good actors in their own right so I think well I mean other than the guy playing Kyle Reese he's freaking terrible but other than him Everyone seems to, you know, you got the gal from Game of Thrones, you got Matt Smith in there, and, um, God, who's the other uh, big nerd fame person? Um, shoot. That's why I don't have the cast list in front of me, and now I'm going to get all annoyed. But you have people who have some nerd fame, and I think that's actually a good idea, because you can have people getting excited. I actually want to see Matt Smith play something, play a character who's well-written. That would really be nice in my book, because I am... And anyone who's listened to this show for a while knows I'm not a huge fan of the Moffat years of Doctor Who because characters are written terribly. But I think Matt Smith was a great actor and did really good with what he was given in that show. And I know I've seen him in like another movie. I can't remember what it was because I saw him in that movie before I saw him in Doctor Who. And I thought he was pretty good in that movie too. So I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with him and how they're going to utilize him in Terminator Genesis. And hopefully he's not just like a... Hey, John Connor, I'm your friend at- Oh! Oh, bullet to the gut. Oh, John, send Kyle instead of me to the past. Arg, I am vanquished. Then I'd just be pissed. But if he's actually going to be doing something important, I, I would really like to see that. I don't want him to just be a one-off cameo who gets killed. That would just annoy me. Definitely. And the other thing different about this movie, from what I've read, is it's actually going to be the first time that the Terminators themselves in the future scenes, and I think they're going to do other Terminators as well, they're actually going to be CGI. They're not going to be animatronics anymore. Uh, that always worries me. Well, the only reason for that is because, well, Stan Winston, he passed away. That's true. Well, rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. Definitely. So it's going to be a, you know, a different take, you know, to do something that, you know, has been Although, you know, slowly done with puppeteering. Which yeah. Which is what the Terminator is so good. Well, one of the things I will say about the Terminators uh, is that, you know, people talk about like, oh, the fake looking Arnold Schwarzenegger at the end of Salvation, to which I go... It's a Terminator. The Uncanny Valley should be our initial response to seeing one. Like, any Terminator. Our first response should be, oh, God, it's causing this weird Uncanny Valley effect in my brain. Because they're not humans. They're machines made to look humans. So, CG to an extent, I am kind of fine with. I'm just hoping it doesn't look cartoony. That's my fear, is that just looking too cartoony and me not buying it in the future sequences. Well, I think what people neglected in Salvation was it's supposed to look like young Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. That's what they're based off of. Yeah. 
but I, I, like I said, I said before, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm, I'm hoping this will be good. And the one thing I always say is a positive, when they know they're going to do a trilogy, they tend to write it a little bit better. You know, a lot of people rip on The Matrix for its sequels, to which I go, yeah, they didn't plan those sequels. The Wachowskis were told, hey, do sequels now. And they were like, uh, how? We kind of wrapped things up pretty darn well at the end of that movie. Um, uh, okay, we'll, we'll cobble together a plot for these last two movies. And you can kind of see that as well with uh, Pirates of the Caribbean with two and three. Where like, I guess we'll have to cobble together a plot now that'll make this a trilogy and wrap some storylines up, even though we had never had that plan from the get-go. So I feel more comfortable when they go in saying, like, we want this to be a trilogy. We're going to set up a few plot points here that will pay off in part two or pay off in part three, and everything will work smoothly, and we'll have the same cast for all the movies. That works way better than, um, oh, uh, I guess uh, Neo has dreams about, um, uh, the future, and then, um... Uh, I, I don't know, the, the machines are having their own civil war for some reason now, because, you know, it's just like, yeah, if you guys had, if, if they had known that the movie would be such a hit, they probably would have thought of, well, if we're, if this becomes a hit, where are we going with the sequel? You know, I, I hate the forced sequels, and, and when they kind of know what they're doing, it makes me feel a lot more comfortable in that regard. You know, like I said, I would have liked to have seen Salvation 2, or whatever they would have called it. I, th I would have liked to have seen that, to see where they were going to go. And, you know, if they know what they're doing in Genesis, that could be kind of cool. I mean, for all we know, they'll skip ahead a few more years, and we'll have alternate Terminator 2 with alternate John Connor. Heck, maybe with Kyle Reese still alive. That'd make a very interesting twist on the story. Although, God, <laughs> I want that guy from, from Die Hard 5 to stop acting, but whatever. Maybe he'll do good in this. Maybe I am prejudging him unfairly. Maybe he'll be more than a block of wood. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I want to be optimistic. Well, how are you guys feeling about Genesis? And, you know, are you looking forward to it? I'm definitely looking forward to Genesis. I'm keeping an open mind. I mean, granted... Uh the actors for Kyle Reese, Michael Bean, and Robert Patrick as a Team 1000, they're all, they will always be iconic to me, and it's, it's kind of like just getting used to, like, to seeing new people take on these, um, iconic roles, and I, I can believe Amelia Clark taking over for Linda Hamilton, but it's, it, it's gonna take some time to adjust, but otherwise I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to an awesome summer movie. 2015 is already looking great with some movies I'm looking forward to. James Bond, um, Spectre being one of them, and the new Star Wars movie. And hopefully this can complete that trifecta. Um, Bart, what are your, your thoughts on Genesis? Well, it's like you were mentioning earlier, you know, we're used to the traditional actors who've played these great characters in great role, but like we were saying earlier, this is basically an alternative um, timeline, which I think it kind of fits these characters very well because, you know, Sean Bean back then, he was supposed to protect Sarah Connor, you know, uh, who was very weak at the time. My Michael yeah. Bean. Sean Bean's a different guy. That's Alec Trevelyan. <laughs> My bad. Michael Bean, lack of sleep here. Well, like I was saying, you know, because, you know, Michael Bean's character was supposed to protect a weak, you know, Sarah Connor at the time. And now, you know, now the same character, you know, Kyle Reese is going back into time. And then all of a sudden, wait, Sarah Connor's not weak anymore. She's, she's ready to go. She's ready for this. You know, it gives these actors, you know, a great opportunity to really, you know, take a different approach to these characters that, you know, we saw originally back in the first movie. So, you know, you can't really bring back the original actors to, you know, generally reprise these roles again because, you know, that they did twist to it. That they did 30 years ago. Right. Well, you know, the one thing I will say, I like this more than if they just did a full-on reboot. If they just said, and here's a reboot of brand new actors redoing the first movie, I'd just be like, screw you. Right. And With this, tying it into continuity does make me feel a little more comfortable in that regard. It does. You know, it's going to be, you know, a different approach with, you know, a semi-retelling, but actuality, it's, it follows this, this timeline in a certain sense. Because you have time travel. You can always alter the timeline. That's kind of the cool part about time travel. 
Exactly. I mean, you know, if they still have access to the time machine in the future, what's holding them back from going back into time or maybe revisiting that time era? Because it was mentioned that the original T-800 is going to make an appearance, too, that, you know, was attempting to kill Sarah Connor. Yeah. Yeah, just seeing that flash of, like, young Arnold from, like, 84, it's like, oh, my God. Well, they, they were able to pull it off in Salvation. I'm like, wow, where, where is this going to go, you know? Right, because, you know, the... the Arnold the versus Arnold fight Arnold. would be crazy. Like, I think my head would explode. Right, and I think what they're going to do with this movie is they're going to do the same thing with, with what they did in Salvation. You know, they're going to have the original 1980s Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, at some point in the movie, he's going to make his appearance. And now, you know, you have another T-1000 that's going to be coming after, you know, the, the three of them now. You know, because now you have the Terminator that protected Sarah, Sarah Connor herself, and Kyle Reese. Now you have the T-1000 that's going after three different people. You know what would actually make a really interesting, uh, from a filmmaking standpoint, if they actually got Arnold Schwarzenegger, put him in the mocap suit, and had him act out his part as a classic Terminator... And then they actually did the, you know, the CGing on of, you know, what he looked like, you know, 30 years ago. That would actually be kind of cool because, you know, he's still the same actor. He can still do the same, you know, mechanical movement. He's going to be doing those movements for, you know, older Terminator who, you know, once, once I kind of saw the plot and how it was going to work, I'm fine with him being older because Terminator's meant to blend in. So if he's pretending to be the dad or the uncle or whatever of of, you know, a, a 20-something girl, he's going to have to gray up his hair and look like he's age-appropriate for his, you know, camouflaged position. So I'm fine with him looking older, and it don't work for just kind of what he looks like now anyways. But if he mocaps himself, or, you know, whatever you want to say, however you want to put it, I think that'd be kind of cool. And it'd be the first time something like that's ever really been done, as far as I know. Like, I don't think that uh, Jeff Bridges mocapped Clue. I'm pretty sure Clue was probably mocapped by, wasn't even mocapped, it was just face replacement thing with, with some with another actor, I think. So, to actually have, you know, someone play themselves from 30 years ago would be kind of cool, actually. And it would probably make my head explode if they were on screen together fighting each other. Um, that would. I think, my, I think it might be, might be too much awesome for my brain to handle. It would just... Yeah, there's definitely a lot to look forward to, and I just can't wait for the summer. What can I say? And chances are they'll probably release a second trailer, probably giving us more insight to where the first movie story is going to go. I mean, we already got like some snippets of things that have reminded us of like the first two movies or the only movies that you need and <laughs> but I'm just really looking forward to just see what just comes out of it and I'm just still curious what Matt Smith is going to be doing in these movies yeah so it's good to at least have some optimism going into a Terminator sequel which is more than I can say for Rise of the Machines or Salvation as much as I enjoyed Salvation I didn't have optimism going into it so I do have optimism going into Genesis I hope that you know come next summer we can all talk about how much we enjoy it so, unless you guys have anything else to say, I'll wrap up the show. Okay, then. Uh, <laughs> I will take your science silence as compliance. Silence is consent. Yes. Oh, oh God, sorry. <laughs> Anywho, I will delete that line. Oh, uh, no, we're keeping that because that was a horrible joke and will scar everyone for life. Uh, <laughs> so, until next time, this is Jared for Scarlet and Bart saying, keep it bizarre because it's hip to be square. And hasta la vista, baby. Hey, green berries for breakfast. Let's come in now. Long movie. It's sad because, like, Jared, tell part of the story of when we did the uh, Italian Arnold Schwarzenegger skits. Yeah.